I hope everyone is still excited about Christmas since December 25th is just the start of the Christmas season on the church calendar. Sometimes after a big holiday or event, we may feel a bit let down. We've been physically and emotionally going full speed for about a month, and now it's over. It's a relief, and fatigue sets in. Sometimes there's a feeling of loss and wondering what's next. I wonder if Jesus' disciples felt like that after the resurrection. They were really up for Passover and then down because Jesus had been arrested and died, and then up again when Jesus rose again. And then Jesus just tells them to wait. Well, wait for what? We've spent a little over a month looking at shepherds in the Bible that point us to Jesus, the good shepherd. I'm going to end this series by making a switch from shepherds that point to Jesus to shepherds that come from Jesus. Jesus says in John 10, 10 through 13, A thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come so that they might have life and have it in abundance. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and doesn't care about the sheep. Jesus has described himself as the good shepherd, but he also mentions these other people, thieves and hired hands, people who want to destroy the sheep or at least don't care for the sheep as much as Jesus does. I certainly wouldn't want to be either one of those other people who fights against the will of Jesus. But there's also another category Interestingly brought up by Peter the Apostle. In 1 Peter 5, 1-4, Peter writes, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as the one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Peter, reminding us of the return of Jesus, the chief shepherd, tells us that we are to be good shepherds over the flock that God has given us. I think Peter uniquely uses the shepherd image for Christian leaders Because Jesus directly commanded Peter to be a shepherd, an image bearer of the good shepherd Jesus. Our main passage today is John 21, 12 through 19, which takes place after the resurrection of Jesus and in that in that waiting time. And we'll begin with verses 12 through 15. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had eaten breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Feed my lambs, he told him. If you've been in church for a while, you may have heard enough sermons on this passage that you could already know that two different Greek words for love are used in this passage. 
I think that's an important point, but not the only point of this passage. We're going to focus on what Jesus asks of Peter. First, if Peter is going to be a shepherd, he needs to feed lambs. A shepherd feeds lambs. This is after the resurrection, as I said, and Jesus has instructed the disciples to remain in Jerusalem. Peter, however, has returned to Galilee, returned to being a fisherman, and the other disciples have followed him. Now, why would Peter return to fishing? Well, maybe because he had blown it as a disciple. When Jesus was arrested, Peter denied even knowing Jesus three times. And now they're back at the place where Jesus first called Peter as a disciple. And Jesus asked Peter, do you love me more than these? We have to ask ourselves, these what? Is he asking these other people, the other disciples? Well, maybe, but I think Jesus' question is better understood to us today as, Peter, do you love me more than all of this? Your career as a fisherman, your boat, this huge catch of fish. Do you love me more than the life you had before you met me? And Peter replies, yes, Jesus, I love you more than all of this. That being the case, Jesus instructs Peter to feed his lambs. Lambs are sheep, but they are young. They're new. If Peter loves Jesus more than anything else, then Peter should make new disciples and nurture them. Jesus says, since you love me, be a shepherd like me, and make new followers of Jesus. The closest life experience I could think to match this, and I admit it's imperfect, are the expectations that were stated to me and my wife once we got married. When are you going to have kids? This, of course, came from my parents and my wife's parents who wanted to be grandparents. The motive isn't the same from Jesus, but I think there's a similar expectation. Most parents reasonably expect that their children will one day continue to grow the family. Jesus isn't putting a guilt trip on Peter, but there is an expectation that God's children who love him will grow God's family. In John 14:12-15, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and he will do even greater works than these, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, I will do it, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If I love Jesus, then I keep his commands. In this context, the command involves doing the same work that Jesus did. And what work did Jesus do? Jesus increased God's family. That's consistent with the command Jesus gave his disciples after the resurrection to go and make disciples. Matthew 28:19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Going to all nations instead of just Jews is really making new sheep. Jesus says, since you love me, be a shepherd like me and make new followers for me. However, Jesus doesn't stop with this first comparison question. Peter, do you love me more than something else? John 21, starting verse 16. A second time he asked him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him, you know that I love you. Shepherd my sheep, he told him. A shepherd also tends sheep. 
Do you love me more than something else? That can be a low bar depending on what the something else is. If my daughter asks me, Daddy, do you love me more than pizza? I can easily say, of course. If she asks me if I love her more than mommy, then we have to go into an explanation about there being different types of love. If she asks me what I love about her, that's also an easy question because I can just list off some things that I like. But to get to her point, what she really wants to know, the best thing is to take out the comparisons and just have her ask, do you love me? Now, this may sound cold-blooded, but if we're honest, there's a huge difference between loving someone more than something else and loving something about somebody and actually loving the person. This is exactly what Jesus does to Peter. There are no comparisons in the second question. Jesus knows that Peter loves him more than all this other stuff, but does Peter actually love Jesus? Peter answers, yes, Lord, I love you. Jesus then says, since you love me, tend the flock. Peter needs to make new disciples and, because he loves Jesus, also watch over and grow the existing followers of Jesus. We know from 1 Corinthians 5, 6 that Jesus has at least 500 disciples at this time. Jesus says Peter needs to shepherd them, guide them in the right way, make sure they are fed spiritually and physically, keep them safe, help them to grow into what they're supposed to be. Jesus says, since you love me, be a shepherd like me, tend the followers of Jesus. So the question is not, do I love Jesus more than anything else in my life? Once a person experiences a true relationship with Jesus, any person can start to work through those things that he or she does in fact love more than Jesus. My money, my hobbies, my disobedience, my family, my entertainment, my car, or myself. It's an important question, do I love Jesus more than anything else in my life, but it's not the relevant question in this case. The question also is not, what do I love about Jesus? Once a person experiences a true relationship with Jesus, it's easy to see lovely things about Jesus. Jesus is forgiving. He gives me strength. He keeps his promises. This is also an important question, but what do I love about Jesus is not the relevant question in this case. The relevant question is, do I actually love Jesus? Actually loving Jesus is what allows me to rightly work through those other two questions. 1 John 4, 20 and 21 says, Actually loving Jesus should cause me to actually love other Christians. 1 Corinthians 12 says that loving Jesus should cause me to serve the body of Christians and honor them. Jesus says, Since you love me, be a shepherd like me and tend my followers. Loving Jesus. There's always both an outward focus of the church and an inward focus of the church. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's the outward focus. And the inward focus is baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because baptism is the making the followers of Jesus into one body, one family, one by one spirit. The idea of one family is important as we go into the final section of this passage. John 21, 17 through 19. He asked him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? 
Peter was grieved that he asked him the third time. Do you love me, he said. Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. He said this to indicate by what kind of death Peter would glorify God. After saying this, he told him, follow me. A shepherd feeds sheep. With this third question, we have our language change. In the first two questions, Jesus has asked Peter if Peter loved him unselfishly. And Peter has responded by saying that he loves Jesus like his own brother. Now, that would not be an unusual response. The words agapo and phileo were often used interchangeably. Think about it. If anyone from the church asked me, Pastor, do you love me? And I replied, I love you like family. I don't think anyone would take that as a slight unless somehow you suspected that I didn't actually love my own family. Jesus asked the comparison question. Do you love me more than all of this? Jesus asked the personal question. Do you love me? And now Jesus asks a pointed question. Are we really family, Peter? And that's why Peter is upset. Peter knows you don't deny your own brother when they are unjustly in trouble. But Peter also knows that Jesus predicted his denial. Jesus knew that Peter was going to do that. And Jesus saw Peter right after he denied him. But if Jesus already has all this knowledge... Jesus should also know that Peter really does love him like a brother, and yet he asked anyway. This is one of those questions that shouldn't have to be asked. Maybe Peter is thinking that Jesus doesn't love him. Regardless of how Peter may think Jesus feels, Peter still affirms his love for Jesus. Jesus, you're my brother. I love you. And Jesus affirms his love for Peter by calling him to be a part of his plan. His family. Jesus calls Peter to be a good shepherd, just like him. He says, feed the flock. Peter, you're not a thief. You are not here to hurt the other followers of Jesus. Peter, although you feel like it, you're not a hired hand that abandons the sheep when trouble comes. You are my family, so feed the sheep, just like me. Follow me. Jesus said that the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. And he tells Peter that he also is a shepherd that will give his life for the sheep. Not in a forgiveness of sins kind of way, but still in a shepherding way. We know from history that Peter made new disciples, including Gentiles. He was a leader in the early church, and eventually Peter was crucified, just like Jesus, the good shepherd. Peter went from denying that he knew Jesus to giving his life as a leader of Jesus' family. Jesus says, since you love me, be a shepherd like me. Feed my followers. This year, the sacrifice for family seems to have been to stay away from our families. We rightly don't want to give grandma COVID-19. This has been difficult because by God's design, family is supposed to nurture and care for each other personally. You know, the third phrase of the Great Commission, Matthew 28:20 says, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. If we're a family, we're to cause each other to grow. 
We often quote Hebrews 10.25, especially during the pandemic, to affirm that Jesus' family is supposed to meet together. But let's get the whole context. Hebrews 10.24 and 25. And let us watch out for one another to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other all the more as you see the day approaching. It's not just that we're supposed to hang out together as Christians. It's not even that we're commanded here to gather together to worship God. He says Christians are to gather together in order to encourage and teach each other to love and obey Jesus more, more especially as we expect him to return. That's something that should happen more than just on a Sunday morning. Jesus says, since you love me, be a shepherd like me and feed my followers. The Great Commission ends with Jesus saying that he is with us always and everywhere. Jesus doesn't leave us to shepherd alone. Jesus is there with us, feeding the lambs, tending the sheep, and feeding the sheep. There are people, like my wife, who like to hear the words, I love you. It's important for me to say it. And there are people like me who don't really need the words, because I know if you love me, by what you do. As Jesus interacts with Peter, it seems Jesus is a balanced human being. He wants to hear Peter say it, and he wants to see Peter do it. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Then shepherd my sheep. Love Jesus and shepherd the sheep. Let's pray this psalm of praise from Psalm 147. God be praised. It is good to sing to our God. The Lord rebuilds his family, gathering them from faraway places. He heals the brokenhearted, bandages their wounds, counts and names them all. He feeds his creation. He commands us to grow our territory, and he does not do this for every nation, only for his people who love him. Lord, may we love you, shepherd your sheep, and grow your family. Amen. As you think on this message and in the end of the year, think of one thing that resonated with you, one thing that challenged you, one thing you want to learn more about, and especially one thing you will do based on what you have heard. And we'll end the year with this blessing. May heaven's richest blessing come down on everyone who goes out following the good and beautiful shepherd himself to find the lost sheep and to love and care for them for beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news.